One of the fascinating things to me about the image that we get of Jesus praying in the garden is the honesty about his struggle. I think if it were me, I'd probably be tempted to put on a good face, to act like it was less of a struggle than it really was, to put up a good front. I mean, after all, I don't want the disciples think that, thinking that everything's falling apart. They've trusted me. They've, they've put their lives in my hands. They have faith that I'm going to work things out. And if they see me struggling so much, and yet... Mark gives us this image of Jesus, as do the other gospel writers, of Jesus being brutally honest about the struggle he is facing. To surrender to what the Father's asking of him. But even more fascinating than that is that in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this agony, this battle, everything that's going on in Jesus' spirit, everything that, this, that Mark and the gospel writers tell us about what's happening here, what is even more fascinating to me and shocking is that Jesus turns to his disciples and asks them to help him. And he says, you know, Watch. And he doesn't mean be on guard, be my lookout. He doesn't mean fix this thing. He doesn't mean take up a sword and fight for me. What he wants from them is to pray for him. Jesus looks at his disciples, turns to them and says... The whole reason I brought you along tonight is so you'll pray for me. That astounds me because we tend to have a difficult time asking people to pray for us. Maybe in the most cursory of ways. But we struggle to really want people to be this kind of brutally honest with people that they will pray for us. I suspect one of the reasons we struggle with that is we, especially in the West, in America, we've been taught that maturity and spirituality is directly connected to independence. You got to do it on your own. It's, it's a sign of weakness if you have to ask for somebody to help you. The really spiritually mature people are the ones who don't need help from anyone else. That's the whole point. You're spiritually mature enough and strong enough that you can march through this together. Just me and God, that's all we need. And Jesus seems to imply that's untrue. I I wonder sometimes if one of the reasons we hesitate to ask for help, ask people to pray for us, 
is there is a sense that we feel that our struggles, our burdens are less important than some of the other things that other people are going through. And as we measure things in the world, certainly there are things that are, may seem more monumental than the stuff that we're going through. But the reality is, if it's a burden to us, if it's a struggle for us, it's important. God cares about it. If, if we are burdened by it, if we are, if we are wrestling with it, then it is important to us. And the, and the fact that other people may have a burden that may seem bigger than ours really has no bearing on the fact that we still need to deal with the stuff we're wrestling with. And we need help with that. Maybe, maybe it just simply has to do with, with wanting people to be uh, mind readers about our struggles. You know, we do that with relationships. Right? I mean, we, we want someone in a relationship to know what we need without us telling them what we need. And then we get so disappointed when they can't read our minds and figure it out. And sometimes I think we do that with other people. We have, we've been kind of come to believe that if people really love us, they'll figure out what's wrong with us. They'll figure out what we're wrestling with. We shouldn't have to tell them. They ought to know that. But Jesus is not hesitant to say to his disciples, despite the fact that he's in agony of spirit, to say to them, help me, pray for me, pray with me. And maybe it just comes down to pride. You know, we, we don't like to admit that we need help. We can do it. We're strong enough. We're good enough. We're mature enough. We don't want to admit that we really have some needs that we can't work out on our own and we need other people to help us with them. It feels as though that's a spiritual slight. And yet here is Jesus, no one more spiritually mature than he is, asking the disciples to pray with him. To pray for them, for him. Maybe it's, maybe it's a matter of, of not recognizing, being unwilling to acknowledge the depths of our neediness. When pride gets in the way, we think we're strong enough, we're good enough, we can handle it. And we underestimate the depths of our needs. And Jesus, here is Jesus asking for help. And when you read the, the passage uh, that where he says, it says to the disciples, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And we, we interpret that as meaning the disciples are struggling, that their spirit is willing and their flesh is is weak, and, and that may well be the case, but someone said to me recently, they'd read this thing a hundred times, and all of a sudden it hit them, maybe Jesus is talking about himself. In his spirit, it's doing the right thing, but in his humanness, he's wrestling with that. That's the whole point of this hour of prayer, is wrestling, with coming to grips with doing what the Father wants him to do. 
And this, this time of prayer, this hour in the garden, is not so much about the disciples and their struggles. It's about Jesus and his struggle. And he isn't praying for them. He's asking them to pray for him. Because he recognizes the depths of the struggle in his soul and his spirit. And Mark and the other gospel writers try to communicate that as they talk about the agony of his soul and the agony of this burden and the reality that it is a real, true struggle. And he wants them to help him. We have the capacity as the church and as people to do tremendous harm to each other and the capacity to do tremendous good for each other. We're all walking examples and we can tell our stories about the way people have hurt us. Things that people have said, things that people have done that have cut deeply into our souls and have have hurt us so much, we have a difficult time getting over it. People who say they're followers of Christ, which makes it even more painful. We can all tell those stories. And sometimes it causes us to want to give up on the church But if we're honest, we have to admit that hopefully if the church is being the church, we're not just, we don't have stories of people harming us, but we have lots of stories of people helping us, encouraging us, being there for us. And it's one of the reasons that God establishes the church so that we will be a source of love and support and encouragement. And one of the most profound ways we do that is to pray with each other and to pray for each other. It's what we see throughout the New Testament. As as the book of Acts describes the church, they come together and they pray together. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, over and over again, the stories of Paul. They come together, they pray for each other. Because it is one of the significant roles of the church, of the community of faith, to care for one another, to support one another in our prayers. And it makes me wonder if maybe underneath all of the other reasons that we may give for why we hesitate to ask people to pray for us, maybe the most profound thing is that somewhere deep in our spirits, we simply don't believe it makes any difference. And if we really believe someone can help us with something, we'll ask them. Especially if we're completely out of our depths. If you've got a problem, something in your house, you go find somebody who can help you. And we look for people who can help us who are experts about it. If you're having a struggle, if you're struggling in class, you go find the person who you know is getting it in class. If you've got a project at home you're working on and you get stuck, you go talk to someone who knows how to do these kinds of things. Which is probably one of the reasons why I don't get many calls for that. You know, it's been three weeks 
that they've been working on the office remodel. And not once have the guys come over and said to me, we're having an issue with something. Could you come help us? I mean, we can't figure out how to do this wiring correctly. Would you come show us what to do? Nobody has asked me. I'm a little offended by that, to be honest with you. Actually, I wouldn't want to work in an office that I wired. If I did, nothing would be plugged into the wall. I guarantee you that. I don't have a clue about those things. No one would ask me that. But there are people who know those things, and we do ask them. We go to them. And if we really believe that praying for each other makes a difference, we'll do it. We'll ask each other. We'll talk to each other. It does make a difference. I went through a period of time where I, I was sort of in the mindset that the primary reason we pray is for what God wants to do in us as we pray. That God changes us when we pray. And that's certainly a part of what prayer is about. That we pray, and as we pray, God works in our hearts. And we're going to talk about that more in a couple of weeks. But I've also come to realize and to believe that that's not all of it. Despite how incredulous I am about it, and incredible as it sounds when you say it, Scripture tells us that when we pray, things change. I don't really understand it. Somehow in the plan of God and in the mind of God and in the wisdom of God, he has connected our prayers to what he does. And somehow when we pray, it makes a difference. Things happen. And I can't explain it. It's one of the great mysteries, but it is one of the great acts of love from God that we actually have a role to play in each other's lives by praying for each other, that it makes a difference. And until we come to believe that, we are going to continue to be hesitant to ask each other to pray for us. Because we're not really sure it makes any difference. And I think one of the reasons we struggle with that is because we wrestle with the tension of prayer and of praying for things and them not happening the way we've prayed. And what I find in Scripture is that very few people seem to care about that. The point is we pray. And we pray bold prayers. And we pray courageous prayers. And we pray prayers that are full of faith. And as we pray that, we also live in the tension of praying those kinds of prayers enveloped in a spirit of surrender and submission to the perfect wisdom of God in how he answers those prayers. And it is the tension that gives our prayers life. And it may not turn out the way we want it to. The prayer may not be answered the way we have asked it. But we still ask it. And we believe. And we pray with boldness. And we pray with a spirit of courage that God will do what we want in the desires of our hearts and what we believe is good and right. And then we surrender it to his perfect Love and will and wisdom. And we trust him. 
But we have no reason really to trust and we have no place to trust if we don't pray to begin with. And it is a step of faith to go to other people and to say, would you pray for me? And it becomes a great privilege of the church to be able to do that. And isn't it fascinating that Jesus, who is the spiritual strong man, the spiritual strong man, asks his disciples, who are at that point the poster children for spiritual weakness in many ways, and they're about to desert him. Just a, a day or so before, they've been arguing and bickering with each other about who's the greatest in the kingdom. They don't seem to get it at all about what he's trying to do. And yet, he says, guys, pray for me. And the Apostle Paul does the same thing. The Apostle Paul, this man of great spiritual strength, writes to church after church after church with all of their struggles and all their problems. And he says to the Romans, pray for me. To the Ephesians, pray for me. To the Philippians, pray for me. To the Colossians, pray for me. To the Thessalonians, pray for me. Over and over and over again, pray for me. Because it's what the church does. It's what it means to live as community of faith. That we love each other enough, we care enough, we're invested in each other enough, that we pray for each other. And it starts with us being willing to humble ourselves and ask, would you pray for me? It struck me as I was thinking through this that it's not enough just to to talk about this. We ought to do it. It's one of the reasons why on the Thursdays in Lent we are setting aside time for us to pray with each other and to pray for each other. And the prayer room is open at Thursday at 6 in the morning to Friday 6 in the morning. And you can sign up to come and do that. But we're also offering these times of corporate prayer at noon, at 6 p.m., 10 p.m. And in these moments where we sit around the table and we, we share communion with each other. And then we go into the prayer room and we pray with each other and we pray for each other. And we join our minds and our hearts together. And there is something about praying together that can encourage our faith and strengthen our resolve and help us to live a little bit differently than we did before we came. But we also want to provide the opportunity this morning to pray for each other. In a few moments, the elders and the pastors are going to come forward and they're going to stand here behind the altar rail and we're going to invite you to come and to give us the privilege of praying for you. It doesn't matter what the issue may be or why you want to come and have us pray. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's a spiritual need. Maybe there's just some blockage of your spiritual life that you want for which you want to be set free. Maybe it's a relationship that's broken and needs to be restored. Maybe it's something 
someone you need to forgive. Maybe it's just wisdom for the future and it doesn't matter. And you don't even have to tell us all the details of it. God knows. You can just simply say, please pray for me and give us some general idea and we will, we'll pray for you. And we have oil, we'll be glad to anoint you with oil if you'd like for us to do that. We just want to be the church. Praying together, praying with each other, praying for each other and to model what we see Jesus doing in the garden. So as the elders and the pastors come to the front, we invite you to come as well, to kneel at the altar rail or to sit in one of the chairs and give us the privilege of praying with you and for you. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers today. We thank you for 
caring so deeply about each of us. And thank you for the church, this place where we can come and we can pray for each other and be encouraged. Father, we pray not only for ourselves, but we also pray for this world. We pray for Chris and Melissa, their work in Australia, and we ask that while they're here in the States, you will continue to refresh them, prepare them as they get ready to go back. And as they go back, we pray that they will sense your spirit at work in ways that they couldn't have dreamed or imagined. As they see more and more people open their hearts to you and they see the church grow and the kingdom expand, lives transformed and communities transformed. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters who are facing some things that we know little about. Father, our hearts are burdened for the church in Egypt. It's hard to imagine the the grief that the church there is feeling after these brothers and sisters, these Christians have been murdered. We pray that you will comfort them and protect them. And Father, it is amazing to see their witness for you, their hearts of love and compassion and even forgiveness. We pray, Father, that through the witness of your church in Egypt, ISIS and others who are oppressing them will actually have a new vision of who you are. And we might even see those who are opposing you open their hearts to you. Father, we pray that you would help us to continue to move from self-centered living to Christ-centered living. Help us to continue to trust you as we walk in your ways and help us to know your presence with us every moment of every day. Thank you again for hearing our prayers and for being actively involved in our lives. We ask all of this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.